Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and today we're going to be discussing the 2008 film The Strangers. Written and directed by Brian Bertino and starring Liv Tyler, Scott Speedman, and in this film, a couple in a remote home gets attacked by some masked strangers. If you're new to the show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode. We'll take a quick break where you hear some music, and then we'll dive into our plot analysis and hit on some of the spoilers and get into our review. Brian, uh, has this has it been a while since you saw this? It has been a while since I've seen this. I saw it in the theater when it came out uh, with our mutual friend, Bojo, but then... I must have seen it once or twice since then, too, but it's it's been a few years. Yeah, yeah, same. I feel like I saw it in theaters and maybe haven't seen it since, but do you remember the theater experience? Like, Did you remember being like pretty scared by this? I was terrified when walking out of this movie, man. Me too. This is a rough one. Yeah. How did Bojo take it? Um, I think he was scared, too, but he's hard to read. <laughs> he's very hard to read. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, it, it was a really scary movie, and uh, I, I think I went and saw it with my uh, my wife who we were dating back then. And uh, I remember like a few nights after seeing this, we had an experience where like uh, someone in the middle of the night came and like uh, tried to get into our door, like to, to our apartment where we were sleeping. Oh and I, I think it was just some yeah, and, and like we were just like on the other side of the door, like listening to them trying to like open the door. And I, I think it was just someone drunk who maybe used to live there and just got confused that they didn't live there anymore. But uh, yeah, I, I just feel like this is one of those movies that like kind of sticks with you, and you kind of remember anytime uh, you're, you're being invaded. I guess your wife is a well-known <laughs> scaredy cat. How did uh, she cope with this? Yeah, yeah, I think she still remembers it from 2008. And when I mentioned I was watching it, she uh, had nothing to do with it or didn't want to be anywhere near the vicinity of it. Sure. So yeah, d- didn't do very well with it back then, and doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I do feel like this is one of the more more disturbing films, uh, like of that period, right? Of like that era of like two thousand five to twenty fifteen, maybe. I think most people consider this. I think this is one of those movies, though, where you're either on on board for it or you're not. I think there's definitely a segment of the horror fandom that considers this a very scary movie. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's got a pretty high amount of respect, especially like when you look at like top home invasion films. Like this usually makes every one of those lists. Yeah, yeah. Although you wouldn't know that based on the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Oh, I forgot to look it up. What is the Rotten Tomatoes score? 48% critic and 48% users. Whoa. Surprising. That's crazy. Yeah. Do you think those uh, other 52% of critics and users or whatever, they were just like too scared? Too scared. (laughs) Too scared. (laughs) Didn't like it too scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's pretty mixed review. I I saw some of the criticisms around like... uh, lack of like a dialogue or character arcs and, and uh, I, I, I don't know is it, is it kind of one dimensional you think it did seem to be a common complaint would complaint which we can talk about more in the second half of the show yeah yeah I, I, that makes sense I, I could see people being divided on this one yeah um, Brian Bertino though I feel like since this movie has gone on to do some pretty cool stuff like the monster dark and wicked did we like the monster do, do you remember liking that one I think we were so so on it yeah i think right. we were both like two and a half ish three okay that sounds right yeah i don't remember like loving it but it was kind of a cool concept yeah yeah it was a cool concept and i i thought the dark and the wicked was terrifying as well this dude knows how to scare me yeah dark and wicked i think we, yeah we both that i think that was up on both of us we have a patreon episode on that one don't we we do have a patreon episode on the dark and the wicked if anybody wants to check that out patreon.com slash horror movie club Right, right. And I think that's a movie worth watching if you like this guy or like movies that are scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see a supernatural movie directed by this guy, then definitely check that movie out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of genre, so yeah, this one isn't supernatural. It's Home Invasion. Would you put Slasher on this one as well? No, I wouldn't bother with the Slasher tag. What? Why? Uh, not high enough body count. Oh. And this structurally, it's just not the same. Yeah, I guess. I think I, guess I think home invasion is very different than slasher, and this is just so squarely home invasion that I don't feel the need to consider any other subgenre. Mm, interesting. 
I, I was starting to think like home invasion maybe as a genre is kind of fluid because don't most scary movies have to do with like you being attacked at home like whether it's like there's an exorcist happening in your house and like there are demons running around your house like conjuring like does that fall into home invasion because you're like in a house that's haunted I mean, I mean like is home invasion always like a people attacking your house or can like some of these supernatural or slasher stuff be uh, allotted to that I think it's usually a people it's usually a people okay <laughs> I yeah. think yeah I mean the concept is really grounded in reality I think the real fear that someone could break into your home and like invade your safe space yeah and I think it's a movie meant to not exclusively and I haven't seen many of these movies so I'm sure there's a lot of other subtext and themes going on too but I think specifically on its face that movie plays to that fear that you're not safe in your house other people can get into your house got it okay yeah so uh if your house is haunted not a home invasion that's just you're you're invading a house that's haunted basically yeah you you are the invader yeah get out <laughs> get out of there <laughs> all right yeah, yeah yeah i guess that's that's a nice way to draw like a line around it i think that makes a lot of sense um, because yeah, as a genre, I love it because I mean, what's scarier than, uh, something real and like hitting you at right at home, right. And like the place where you think you're safe. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like Michael Myers enters a house and, in, in the franchises, but that's not the point, you know, he'll kill you anywhere. Sure. <laughs> home delivery only. Uh, what is, uh, what, what are some of your favorite, like, uh, home invasion movies? Boy, man, I just don't think i've seen very many this is the only one i can think of that i've seen um that's not true i'm I mean, sure i've we, seen more yeah we both liked hush wouldn't you put that in here hush hush is a good home invasion movie yeah i saw black christmas is considered home invasion uh yeah sure sure yeah that um, one that one i would put the slasher tag on there too higher body count right yeah and it's just structurally the same and they don't necessarily know that someone from the outside has come in that's true that's true that part isn't quite clear until yeah um well there's the classic home alone which you know king of home invasion films i'd count it yeah and then uh this one plot wise uh have you seen the movie funny games i haven't you have right you've seen the remake I think I've seen like a, a German version, which it, was it originally a German film, I think? Yes, it's originally German. I think I saw the original then. And, and I feel like that's a very similar plot here. Yeah, like, yeah, I think so. And I think it's even kind of like maybe, although Funny Games, I think that was like 1999. But some mm-hmm. people called it derivative in, in negative reviews. I don't oh, remember call- seeing that movie mentioned, but. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, people called The Strangers derivative? Yes, yeah. Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you read the plot, it's, like, very similar, like, just some people showing up and, like, terrorizing a family. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if there's, like, anything net new here uh, in, in, you know, the idea of home invasion. Like, there are only so many ways you can go, but uh, it's interesting. Um, do you uh, – oh, did you read, like, the backstory on this and, like, how Bertino – where he got his inspiration from for this? Yeah, yeah. He The Manson family murders and a, a series of break-ins that occurred – near his home as a child yeah where i guess people were going door to door and knocking and then if you didn't answer then they would break in and, and rob the house yeah it happened to him and his little sister yeah yeah and they asked right. for somebody who didn't live there if, if somebody was home right right pretty scary that is that is scary yeah you ever have anything weird like that happen uh no luckily we never did that would have terrified me though i know <laughs> like never open my toe again <laughs> how about you uh, no, just that one time after the, seeing this movie, that, that guy trying to enter. Oh, right, not. right, yeah. I mean, that's especially terrifying, especially because of the timing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it was, like, right around this film. That may have happened in college, but that was, like, such a regular thing at college of people just, like, wandering into the wrong house. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, in a dorm or something. Like yeah. apartment, yeah, that's true. Um, You know, were you excited to see uh, Liv Tyler here? Yeah, I love Liv Tyler. Really? <laughs> I think she's so pretty. Oh my god! Tell me more, man. Uh, what like Lord of the Rings, Armageddon? Like what? 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 What do you? Uh, what, what's What's your favorite of hers? Yeah, Empire Records. I uh, yeah. I I mean, her favorite movie. Yeah, I love the Lord of the Rings saga. Okay, 
Have you seen Her and Leftovers, that TV show? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's what, that was like the last thing I expected you to say is that you're a fan of Liv Tyler. That's the last thing I, I'd expect anyone to say. She, really? She, Why is that? She, she just seems like such a, a random like actress. Like uh, I, I don't feel like she's done like a lot of big things though. Lord of the Rings, obviously, uh, huge work there. But um, like, I mean, hasn't she like been a ghost for like the last few years? Yeah, I mean, she's. I don't see her in a whole lot, but I think she's. I've never seen her in anything where I was like, eh, get her out of here. I, I think she's a really good actress, actually. Interesting. I don't know what the like mainstream consensus is on her as an actress, but I think she's pretty good. You know, I, I think it's like when you're the daughter of someone famous, uh, like she is. I, I think my mind just assumes like, well, you know, she's just in film because she has like these industry connections. But you feel like she's like a legit actress. I think she's yeah. I think she's earned earned her place. Um, From Lord, Lord of the Rings or Armageddon? I never saw Armageddon. Oh, okay. The song bothered me so much, I never wanted to watch the movie. <laughs> I know. It's pretty cringeworthy, isn't it? <laughs> we should perhaps tell the youngsters that Liv Tyler is the daughter of Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith. Yeah. Which, you ever a big Aerosmith fan? Uh, when I was a kid, I feel like the first CD I bought was like Aerosmith's Greatest Hits. Wow. But then I was quickly like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow yeah that, that's telling that's like one of your early cds that's yeah but dream on holds up that's still a great song oh that's them wow that is a really good song actually yeah and uh what's that like smooth something sweet emotion smooth, yeah sweet emotion is that what it is yeah yeah that one's got its place yeah pretty cool yeah i guess i guess maybe i should give them a listen again um, Scott Speedman, though, I, I, I didn't recognize him at all. I think he's some Canadian actor. He was in a show called Felicity. But uh, did, did, do you know him from anything else? No, I didn't know him. Okay. I, I knew someone on our Discord server was a big fan of theirs, and uh, Big Turkey is Canadian, so that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, I imagine he's a big deal up north. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that, that, like, the assailants in this, uh, that Bertino picked, like, Two, uh, two or three people. Two of them are like models, basically, um, which is interesting because you never actually see their face. Uh, we, we, do you look up like Gemma Ward or Laura Margulis at all? Yeah, isn't that wild? In a way, it makes sense because as a model, you're just posing, and yeah. that's really the type of movement these people did, right? True. That's what conveying a lot with just like the position of their head and their bodies. Right, and yeah, not so much so much like on the face or facial expressions or anything. Yeah. Yeah, or I even their their voices. They they have very few lines. Yeah, right, right. No, I guess that makes a lot of sense. That's a, that's a really good explanation. Yeah, but boy, when Gemma speaks, something about it is really chilling to me. It's so dead. Which one is she? Is she the the blonde one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty haunting. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised uh, that the. I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm assuming she's done other film work as well. But yeah, they they the few lines they do, they kind of knocks it out. Talk about a success, the uh, $9 million budget, $82 million return. Uh, that, that's pretty awesome, like nine times its budget. Yeah, that's great, man. It was a sleeper hit. I sleeper heard hit. it called repeatedly and researching it. I think that that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That holds up. Uh, cool. You got any, any other notes or background on this one? Um, there's a sequel, The Stranger's Prey at Night from 2018, which I've never seen. Mm, yeah, yeah, you'll have to see that one. Maybe, maybe we can hit that up one of these uh, sequel Septembers. Yeah, have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah, I, I think I just recently saw it, maybe like a year or two ago. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, maybe we will check that out one one sequel September. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else other than the Ohio connection, if you're ready for me to hit that. Yeah, let's hear how it's connected to Ohio. All right, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in the area pop in for a beer or some pierogi and alex says the strangers is a 2008 american psychological horror film psychological horror film starring Liv tyler scott speedman and a bunch of terrifying people in masks <laughs> Liv tyler famously is the daughter of aerosmith frontman steven tyler and former model singer and playboy playmate playmate bebe buell gosh i'm probably butchering that from 1972 to 1979, Buell lived with rock musician Todd Rundgren. In 1976, Buell became pregnant with a brief re- from a brief relationship with Steven Tyler and gave birth on July 1st, 1977, 
naming the daughter Liv Rundgren, claiming Todd was the biological father. By then, Rundgren and Buell had ended their romantic relationship, but Rundgren nevertheless signed the birth certificate and acted as a father figure to Liv, including paying for her education. Liv became aware of the truth in the mid-80s, and ultimately the secret was revealed publicly in 1991 when she formally changed her name to Liv Rundgren Tyler. It was announced earlier this year that Todd Rundgren will be included in the 2021 induction class to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame located in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, what band is Todd Rungan in? Rungan? Dude, I feel stupid, but I do not know that. Okay. I've always yeah, heard that name and always meant to be like, I need to figure out who that guy is. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard of him. Uh, wow, that's crazy, though, that she thought she had a different dad till the 80s. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. And a then, member then of the band out... Ut- Utopia. Uh, oh, oh, sorry? Utopia. Utopia? That was his band name. I think oh. he might be more... Famous as a solo artist. Okay. I hope so, because Utopia is not very famous. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, all right, so you, well. You grow off thinking your dad's one rock star, and it turns out your dad's right. another rock star. <laughs> the no, bad that's... news is your dad's not that rock star. The yeah. good news is he's a different rock star. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a more famous, well-known rock star. Yeah. In- that's really interesting. Perhaps, but both Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. I imagine yeah. Aerosmith's in there. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would hope so at this point. Should we move on from things that make us sound stupid to other things that will probably make us sound stupid? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. That's what we do in this show. That's, that's <laughs> that is the right. show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, uh, do you want to, uh, are you ready to jump into the plot, uh, hit the spoilers, and uh, review the film? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, before we do, though, do you mind if we take a quick break? I, I think I hear someone uh, knocking at the door. I just want to check it out really quick. Oh, Jesus. Okay, man. Okay, I'll be right back. Please. Hey man, sorry about that. I'm back. Is everything okay? Yeah, it was just these uh, two boys that were trying to sell me uh, some religious stuff. So uh, I just uh, I, I keep like a fake knife and blood by the door. So I just uh, acted like I'd been stabbed like a million times. And that sent them running off. So, good good parlor trick to get rid of unwanted. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Comes comes in handy around like Boy Scout and Girl Scout uh, popcorn season, cookie season. <laughs> if you're lucky, maybe they'd wrap some cookies in terror. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then you got free uh, Samoas or whatever. You like crawl over to the box, fake moaning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, put blood all over them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah, let's jump into the plot here. Uh, so the movie opens up with a narrative about how many homicides there are in the U.S. every year and how this movie is based on the events that happen one night. Uh I, you know, we just talked about uh, the return of living dead and, and and how they kind of like start the film with this as well. Are you losing your patience on these kind of openers where they're always trying to like convince you that something like actually happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's become pretty cliche. And uh, one might argue that return of the living dead was ahead of its time poking fun at that. Yeah. One yeah, more reason true. that movie's funny. Damn. All right. <laughs> you Walked right me. into that one. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> you were home. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I, I like that. Does anyone believe this? Or like, I, I don't feel like it adds any like value. I mean, no one, no one falls for this, right? I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised if it's on some psychological level. There's some part of you, just like how everyone was like, "Hey, Blair Witch couldn't possibly be real, but maybe it is." Yeah. I yeah. still think there's some little part of people's mind that might might buy into that. Sure, Blair Witch is like the one exception because I feel like that's where I learned my lesson. And, and right, like right. That's where everyone learned their lesson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we all thought that one was real. Yeah. But like by now, like at you know twenty, thirty years later, like uh, it's funny that films are still doing this. Yeah, agreed. But uh, this was so, only ten years later. Not true. Even. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. So movie, they're they're in that window of uh, plausibility. So uh, movie opens up with uh, after that with it with a nine one one call where we hear this uh, kid. Uh, kind of screaming into the phone that he's found some dead bodies in this house um, and calling the police to come. So then we jump back in time uh, to uh, the night before 
our two main characters are is this couple, Kristen and James. They're on their way back from a wedding, but you can tell from their body language that something is wrong. Kristen has uh, dried tears on her face, and James isn't really talking. They're not talking to each other. Uh, they get to this house that's like in the middle of nowhere, and the house is all decked out in like rose petals as if they're about to celebrate something. And then we see through flashbacks that earlier that night, James had asked Kristen to marry him, and she had said no. So that's kind of what they're coming into this night with, and they're pretty distant and uh, on edge. Uh, what did you think of like the, this background and setting and like this uh, setup for the characters? I thought it was all really great, and I think the dialogue... It's a while before it explains to you explicitly what happened, but you can kind of tell right away. I think it's kind of like subtly written in that way and well acted. And I think the dialogue's like just enough, but not too much. It makes the characters and the conversations feel really real. And even though like things are cold and awkward, there's also kind of like a warmth between these two as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Very little dialogue, but it's all about like body language here, and and so much is being told. And I almost feel like you didn't need those flashbacks. Like, uh, I, I feel like you could have pieced it together just by watching uh, how they were acting, seeing like the 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 ring on the table, the way he was like talking or like calling his friends, saying things didn't go as planned. Uh, I I think they could have done without that uh, the flashback. I actually agree, man. I I think it would have been better off without the flashback. I don't think yeah. it hurt it, but I do think it kind of really handed the audience what we really already knew yeah exactly just in case in case you weren't picking up on the clues um did you think james was being a little over dramatic uh on how down he was like eating ice cream at the dinner table or like saying oh yeah you can take the car or you can have all this or, or something did, did you feel like he was being o- over the top i think a lot of us will eat ice cream at the dinner table for much smaller reasons <laughs> that's true so i can't blame him i mean if you, I hear where you're coming from, but if you like were about to ask someone to marry you and it hadn't even crossed your mind that they would say no, and then you're like trapped in this house with them for the next X amount of time when they were planning on taking this road trip together, you'd probably be pretty like, get me the fuck out of here. I'm embarrassed and ashamed and sad. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, that part is understandable. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I think it might have been a vanilla ice cream, which kind of bums me out. Uh, oh, I love like, vanilla ice cream. What? You could just it's, eat a vanilla ice cream straight. I could, and I do, and I will right now. Why, Bye. Why would it eat? It goes with everything. Just put something on it. Um. Yeah, sure, but I just think it's so refreshing. My favorite ice cream is vanilla ice cream with Reese's Pieces mixed into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, with Reese's Pieces, like you're adding a nice salt and, and peanut butter to it. I feel like that, that super elevates it. Like vanilla on its own, though, I, I just feel like... Uh, it's it's a bit bland. You don't yeah, think man. So? I, I think it's super refreshing. On a hot day, uh, a cone of vanilla soft serve, where it's at. Okay, interesting. I'll have to try that next time. Yeah. Do it and call me. Yeah. Call me while you're eating it. I'll FaceTime you. Maybe, you know what, before you do it, just propose to someone random, and when they say no, go eat it. I bet <laughs> I'll it'll taste better. appreciate it more. <laughs> it'll taste a lot better. Because then, then your tears add, like, the saltiness that it needs. That's the salt. That. Yeah. Yeah. Salted villa. All right. Um, so uh, they're not at the house for too long when they hear a knock on the door. And at this point, it's like four thirty in the morning. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, why, why are you guys even awake? It's it's so late. Who's who's up at four thirty in the morning anyway? Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been in a dramatic relationship with a significant other, or a dramatic conversation with a significant other at like all hours in the morning. Really? I, I try to avoid those past 11 o'clock. Or if you're in the, in one, 11's like the cutoff to like, all right, we're going to pick this up in the morning or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nowadays, yeah. But when I was like early 20s, yeah, that would we'd stay up all night in very heavy conversations. Now yeah. my wife is like a running joke that she like waits until she's about to fall asleep to bring something up that's like a huge discussion. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> just so you guys can't talk about it yeah i keep vanilla ice cream under the bed for that reason <laughs> smart move smart move that's good yeah yeah i, I guess you're right yeah these are young uh people in their 20s so yeah they're, they're up at 4 30 uh and uh yeah someone shows up and knocks on the door they they open it and there's this woman there and we can't see her face and she asks if tom if uh tamara is home and uh, James uh, tells her that she's got the wrong house, and she, uh, the woman kind of is like, are you sure? And so it's kind of like a bizarre interaction here, um, but eventually she goes away. Uh, did you find this part pretty spooky? 
Yeah, very spooky. Yeah, I thought. I, and it's I like clear the way that she like she's in the darkness, and it's clear that she like unscrewed the light bulb. Right. Yeah. I, and I throughout this whole film, like I feel like lighting plays such a big role in how they have like the shadow cast on her face in this scene. It's yeah. like pretty effective. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So then uh, James goes out to get cigarettes, uh, and Kristen hangs out at home. Uh, she hears the knocking again, and like through the door, she's asking uh, who it is, and it's the same girl asking if uh, Tamara is there. Uh, Kristen starts to get a little spooked and sets her phone to charge. We get the scene of her kind of wandering the house, and at one point, she's facing towards the camera, and behind her, we see out of the dark, like the a masked person pop up in the background that she doesn't see. And again, I think this is like great lighting and the way the mask like kind of pops up in the dark. Um, but the, I think this is like a really iconic scene from this film. Did, 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 do you like this one? Yeah, I think it was on the promotional like images for the movie. And I, I really like it because he just like steps out into the room. It's not even a jump scare. Yeah. And there's something right. creepier about that to me. I agree. I agree. It's like so like kind of underproduced. Just yeah. like a dude like there in the background. But in like, I, I don't know, these masks are like surprisingly scary, aren't they? They're very scary to me. Yeah, the Bertino so. said he wanted them to look like they could just have been picked up at any store, and maybe that's true, but good choices in the store, gang. These <laughs> yeah. are scary masks. I know, I know, they are, yeah. And this one's just like kind of a burlap sack with like a holes cut out or something. Or I don't know, it looks like a really good mask. It's effective. Yeah, a burlap sack, burlap sack is never not scary. Yeah, yeah, true. Unless maybe you're Jason in Friday the 13th Part 2. Zing! Uh, oh, what, what did he do with it? Oh, I'm just, I'm just oh. putting an elbow in the ribs of Friday the 13th. Fan. Oh yeah. I forgot. That's what he was wearing most of the film. <laughs> what did he do with it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. Walk you're right. The farmer's market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a disappointment. Terrible use of a burlap sack. Uh, so then Karen starts hearing more banging at the doors and calls James to come home. Uh, she finds that the phone line gets cut while she's on the phone with James. And then she notices her cell phone's gone missing and she sees like a, the smoke detector has been moved in the house. So she's getting pretty spooked. She peers out one of the windows and she sees this dude in a mask that we saw earlier. So she hides, she screams and hides somewhere and, and waits for James to return. Uh, James gets home and he's pretty skeptical and, and doesn't believe her until they see this masked woman standing outside the garage. He tries to go to his car and finds that it's all smashed up. They try to escape in the car, but uh, they get rear-ended by another woman in a mask uh, in this pickup truck, so they run back inside. Inside, they try to arm themselves. They find a shotgun, and uh, they hear a lot of banging. Um, someone walks in, and they shoot them before seeing who it is, and unfortunately, it was James' best friend who had come to pick James up. Uh, this was kind of a downer, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty big downer. Um, yeah. And he's like, please don't look, it's Mike, and they're just weeping together, and she's telling him it wasn't his fault. And Right. Pretty sad. That was, that was really sad, and, and that it was like Dennis from Always Sunny. That's that's even sadder. He Whenever he shows up in a movie, you can pretty much bet he's going to die. <laughs> yeah, he really... <laughs> yeah, I guess someone's trying to keep him in the, in the on screen too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you think uh do, do, do you feel like james skepticism uh, and like how they're reacting to the these people feels pretty natural and realistic no i think that could be the biggest deterrent for somebody liking this movie uh, i know a lot of the reviews talked about the characters and the story and stuff but i think practicality wise the average horror fan would probably just get really frustrated with all the bad decisions that were made in the movie or like lack of decisions. And he doesn't really believe her that someone was in the house and they're just not approaching things with the urgency they should at first. And then they're not doing the things they should do. Like she calls James at one point instead of calling 911. Um, there's just a lot of frustrating stuff like that in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it, at this part, I think what was really jumping out to me was, like, his skepticism on, on it, and, yeah, his, like, lack of panic, and I kind of feel like throughout, he's kind of got this, like, bravado about him, uh, yeah. and, and at one point, he's like, oh, you're my girl, I'm gonna do what it takes, so there's kind of, like, a one-dimensional aspect to him that's kind of frustrating. Sure, and you might argue that it's him trying to, like, get some of his confidence back, or, like, hmm. 
you know, being reactionary to the fact that he just felt like weak and ashamed. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, it could be a direct correlation to that. Yeah. Or maybe he's just lactose intolerant. <laughs> that all that ice cream. <laughs> now he's cranky. <laughs> he's cranky, just trying to get to the bathroom. Doesn't want to deal with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really go get cigarettes. He just had to go take a massive shit at a gas station. <laughs> he was gone for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Just gassy. Uh, so yeah, James, as you mentioned, he's like really upset that he just killed his best friend. Uh, doesn't want her to see it. He decides to like ditch her and like make this run to the barn where there's like an old uh, phone type thing. And uh, while he's down there, uh, he gets taken down by uh, two of the masked assailants. The, the one dude we saw earlier with the mask and uh, one of the women with the uh, with more of like kind of a, a doll face type mask. Kristen uh, keeps trying to escape as well. She makes a run for it. But somehow when she's running outside, she injures her foot. Did you understand how that happened? No, I think that's like kind of frustrating. It's like, what are the odds that the very moment you try to run, you break your ankle? Like, yeah. it was like a full-on pretty big injury. And that, it's a frustrating thing, too, that he left her in the house. Like, why do they feel they're at all safe at the house? It's clear someone that they've been in there multiple times. Yeah. And are possibly still in there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his, his decision to leave her behind us was like an ultimate, like, terrible decision. And then, yeah, you're right. Like, you know you're being watched and they see everything you're doing. Yeah. Um, I thought for a minute maybe they had set up a trap and that's what she ran into, but they didn't make that very clear. No, they didn't. Um, and I would have been surprised if they just randomly placed a trap, but but maybe. I don't know. You remember the, that time someone ran full neck into a, a cup of wire? <laughs> I do remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they did. You think they would have made it more clear in, in the film, though, if that was the case, like you yeah. said. Yeah, sure, sure. So she uh, basically, uh, while she's out there, she runs into some of the other, uh, I think, two, two of the women uh, assailants. So she like makes her way back home, back into the house. She's hiding in a closet. They, uh, the assailants come in and uh, basically corner her and, and grab her and, and, and capture her. So uh, we end up with both Kristen and James tied up in a chair with the three strangers uh, who then proceed to take their mask off, but we don't see their faces and then they stab James and Kristen repeatedly in the stomach and uh, basically all over, killing them. Um, did, what did you think of the decision here not to show the faces of the strangers? I thought it was the right decision. And did you read that they originally did show their faces and then after a test screening they decided not to? Yeah, yeah, I, I did see that. Um, and you think this was the right call? Yeah, I think it's just scarier if you can, if you don't, if you're still wondering what these people look like. Yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah, you're still left with that kind of mystery that, yeah, these faceless people that you never got to see. Yeah, I, I makes it more mysterious, like you said, yeah. Right, right. All right, well, then the movie ends with these two boys who are riding down the streets with some religious uh, per- paraphernalia. Uh, they run into this group of assailants who are driving away on the streets, and they actually talk to one of them. Uh, one of the women gets out, and the boy asks her, uh, are you a sinner? And she says, sometimes. Uh, and so uh, she takes a brochure and then they drive off. The boys come to the house and they see all the blood everywhere. And the movie ends with them discovering Kristen and Kristen opening her eyes and screaming. Uh, what, do you, what did you think? Was this like kind of uh, campy or over the top? Yes, it was. And the same thing happened. This is kind of a spoiler, but not really with the dark and the wicked. It ends with like a over-the-top jump scare that just felt really unnecessary. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I almost think it would have been better not, not, not to have this. I mean, it, I think we assumed that she was dead, and I, this is trying to imply that maybe she's not dead. Yeah, and just like a cheap jump scare that at the very end of the movie never, never feels right for me, especially when it's a movie that's really gotten by largely without cheap jump scares. Right. So that that was a little frustrating. Uh, didn't ruin the movie for me, but not one of my favorite aspects of the film. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So it's kind of a, a cheap shot after a, a good, maybe quality uh, film so far. But yeah, what, what, what did you think of this movie? Um, I, I've always held it in high regard and considered it very scary. And I still do. I My stomach was in knots, like for the first half of this movie. But something I noticed on this viewing is that it starts to get a little old and tedious. Um, 
after they accidentally kill the friend, things just kind of keep going without any real developments. And even though that feels like a big event and it's a big deal to our characters, structurally, it doesn't really do much for the plight of the characters or the situation in the movie. Like, it doesn't really change any circumstance. Like, maybe it motivates James to go to the shed and, like, take that next level of action, but it doesn't really change anything. They're still surrounded by people who are trying to kill them and or mess with them. And it just kind of gets monotonous at that point, too. And what's creepy early in the film is that you realize, like, they're just messing with them sometimes. Like, they don't always take the opportunity to kill them. Like, like they want to fuck with them. But then, after a while, it's like, okay, well, do something or don't. It just kind of was dragging. Did you feel that yeah. way ever? I, I felt that way, too. Like, I feel like you've got a plot that's, like, building up for maybe the first half hour, 40 minutes, and, like, the, the slow reveals... But yeah, once like the cards are all on the table, the movie just kind of uh, comes to like a standstill and it's just them like uh, kind of like messing with these guys and then when they want just kind of killing them. So it's, it's just kind of like a slow downward progression for the, the main characters. But yeah. plot wise, there isn't like much development after like the 30, uh, 35, e- even like dialogue kind of stops probably mm-hmm. uh, at like 40 minutes or so. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it really stops moving forward. Yeah. I, I think one thing that was missing for me and, and that jumped out in this watch, I, I think similar to like kind of what you're saying, is maybe like in another version of this film or a more modern one, I'm thinking of like the Your Next or even like Screams to some extent, there be, it becomes more of like a cat and mouse thing where like the main character has a little bit more agency or is like it becomes kind of like a mind game between the two where she's trying to like outsmart the, the, the villains or whatever. And you didn't really have that here. You just kind of had them constantly uh just uh, under like there was never like a shift in dynamics on this one yeah i agree like i feel like she should have like gotten the jump on one of them for a little yeah. while or even killed one of them or flagged down a car briefly like right we needed like a change in setting or circumstances or characters like something to spice things up yeah 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 i felt exactly like the, same. the appearance of the friend kind of did that but it happened fairly early on and it didn't materially change anything after the fact because they didn't expect him to come till the next day anyway so yeah all i did was spice things up for the few minutes he was there and then it was over yeah i know i was surprised on this watch like i mean that that really that that sequence really stuck with me but i was surprised on this watch like how minor of a sequence that actually is yeah yeah i mean it's done really well too but but yeah once it's gone it's gone It, it has no lasting impact on the movie right right i agree uh, one theory I was thinking of uh, with the title of The Strangers, I mean, the obvious connection is that it's a referral to the uh, three uh, assailants here. But do you think there's a double layer here where they're referring to the, the main couple uh, in that, you know, like they're kind of estranged because of like what's happened or like their relationship is estranged and they've become into strangers? Do you think there was any type of uh, metaphor here for their relationship and the title or what they were facing off with? Oh, that's an astute observation. I had read some critics thinking like the uh, the strangers outside were like a metaphor for the things they were eating away unspoken at their relationship and like oh. threatening their relationship. But I didn't read anybody say like the strangers could work both ways. That's a nice. Well done. I think that that's an apt observation. Oh, I think so. uh, Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, but I, I like that theory too, that like maybe these guys were represented some of their inner relationship turmoil. Um, wh- what do you think? Like, do you think that was like Bertoni's intent, intent here at all? Or was he just trying to make a straight up horror film? It's hard to say. I didn't pick up on that. To me, it was just a straight up horror film, but sometimes I miss the themes. Some people also talked about themes of like, you're not actually safe in the country and, um, the false comfort of a rural setting stuff like that. But to me, it was just a scary movie. Cool. Yeah, yeah. To, to me too, it kind of plays out like a straight, uh, straight, straightforward horror film. But yeah, I saw some discussion around like, is it a representation of classism, maybe between you know urban versus rural folk or anything? So it's, right. It's, it's interesting there. Um, yeah. Did it still feel uh, as scary to you as you remember like seeing it the first time? It did. It really did. I mean, again, for the first half of the movie, it really. Not that I stopped being scared, but I was surprised how much it affected me once things started to get monotonous. 
but I think like the direction and the score and the cinematography are like really spot on and it really works for the scares. Like he really kind of knows where to put the camera and how to orchestrate things to make it as scary as possible. Um, he doesn't really over edit or under edit. And I don't know, like there's a sequence, I think it's before James gets home, like the record is skipping and the strangers are pounding on like walls from all different sides of the house. And she's just like freaking out, like backed into the corner of the room and so much is happening at once. It was just like really a great sequence to me and just there's no way to not be scared by that to me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he, he took it, he's not afraid to use the jump scares. Same thing with the Dark and the Wicked, but he uses them strategically to me. Yeah. I, yeah, part of me was, was worried because uh, I, I felt like the knocking that was going on in like the earlier parts of this film, uh, like every time like there'd be a knock, like she would like, you know, breathe like and kind of jump a little bit. So I was wondering if they might have been like overdoing that because uh, obviously from like a sound escape uh, perspective, like hearing that big knock in this quiet house, like it kind of has a shock value to it. Yeah, yeah. But you, you don't feel like it was overdone on like the loud noises or the, the jump outs or anything? That specific aspect of it, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah. And one thing that was cool about the scene where uh, the friend came, um, the point of view of the camera is like right behind him as he's walking down the hall. And there's also this really loud, upbeat country outlaw music playing on the record player. I thought it was really cool because you imagine the character, like one of the strangers being right behind him, but you also know the music's playing so loud that he wouldn't be able to hear anything. Uh, It just made that extra scary to me. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think throughout like the, the music pairings, like what was playing on the, uh, the record player, like I thought fit the sequences really well. Yeah. Oh man. I love the part with the Joanna Newsom song sprout in the bean. Oh, which, which part was that played at? It's like uh, when she first starts noticing the strangers, I think it's like when she first sees or hears one mm-hmm. and the lyrics are like, should we go outside? It's oh, repeated man. in the lyrics. Yeah. It works yeah. really well. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Good pairing there. Did you notice, uh, you know, speaking of the camera work and uh, the, the type of view we're getting, the, uh, the the camera like it wasn't a steady camera like I, I noticed it would like shake quite often almost as if maybe to mimic like what the strangers were seeing did did you notice that at all Yeah, I think that's a pretty common thing to do, especially in a scenario where you're trying to maybe convey the idea that the camera is the point of view of the killer. Yeah. Okay. So was, yeah. But yeah, man, if you start paying attention to the like specific movements of a camera, you notice that rarely in modern films, even in older films, is the camera steady for very long. Like, oh, there's always like some natural. There's oftentimes some sort of movement just to like give things energy and I don't know, give the illusion of of things happening. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, sure. That that that's. Yeah, not always, but I know there was some movie we watched. Maybe it was the, like, I Trapped a Devil or something. Some movie where we watched where I was like, my God, the camera is moving constantly, and it's so needless. Yeah. And then I started paying more attention, and I was like, that the camera's always moving in movies. It's just not so <laughs> egregious as that that movie sure. we watched. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think, like, on, on one extreme, you've got, like, found footage films, which you have, like, the most camera moving. And then I just assume, like, other movies... It's more like steadier camera and like more like deliberate uh, shooting. But yeah, yeah, I'm probably missing out. You're probably right that uh, there's more like shaking going on than. I, yeah, uh, like not that there aren't perfectly static shots or like very smooth tracking or panning shots, but yeah, the, very often the camera is moving in in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I, I think you're doubled up as maybe giving you the impression that you're you're seeing it from the killers. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think it was used well there. Yeah. Um, so you were a fan of the the masks and uh, how the killers looked and everything? I thought the masks were great. I thought the simplicity of them and the mysteriousness of the killers and the like deadness of the voice that you heard from the one killer was very effective. I thought they were yeah very creepy villains. Yeah, really well acted. 
Uh, what did you think of the acting of Speedman and Liv Tyler? Oh, uh, you know, yeah, I, I guess talking about Liv Tyler, going, going back to what you were saying earlier, I thought she, I, I wasn't too impressed. Uh, I, I feel like most of this film, she's like pretty soft spoken, but I guess if you're under attack, uh, you're probably not like, uh, well, I mean, she did do a lot of screaming, but then other times uh, it, it wasn't like too much uh, of a range on her part. Uh, it, at least that's what I thought. What, what did you think? I thought it was really good. I th- it was kind of a quiet performance in a lot of ways, but yeah, she was kind of whispering to James and or screaming um, or like whispering to herself. And I thought it was really effective, even like her facial expressions and like um, like her neck muscles like flinching when she hears a loud noise. I thought it was good acting. Yeah, yeah, right, right. She, did, I, I think she definitely captures someone who's like scared and under attack really well. Um, I, I guess I, I with a different script, I, I think it would have given her a chance to show off some more uh, range, maybe, which would have been appreciated. Did you like the script? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I liked it, and it, I think your critique of it's uh, interesting because I, I felt the same way. Like where, where the plot kind of slows down at, at a certain point, and and there's not much these guys can do. I wonder though if a way to defend or justify that is is this a film that's like very realistic in terms of like how a home invasion would go. Like, were they going for, like, straight-up realism and that, like, you're just screwed and, like, it's just going to be, you know, two, three hours of you getting hunted down and then killed without, like, any hope? Uh, is that, like, one way to justify the, the script and, like, how the, the pacing kind of slows down? Sure, that's an interesting way to look at it. Like, more realistic and nihilistic. Just, no, these people are just going to mess with you and eventually kill you and all, all you can do is just, like, endure it until it's done. That's what it felt like. Yeah, they were just kind of enduring and, and trying to survive as long as they could until they were just dead. Yeah, interesting way to look at it. It's depressing, dark. Yeah, and even like uh, the scene where they're like being stabbed, I just feel like it was so underproduced in a way that it, it just it did feel like they were just going for uh, a more realistic type of uh, portrayal, almost like kind of like a Henry uh, serial killer kind of. Uh, what was that movie? The yeah, Henry of Portrait killer. of a Serial Killer. Yeah, yeah, where it's just, like, uh, so factual, like, being shot without, like, much production. Yeah, there was a uh, a grittiness to it, even though I consider it to be a very polished movie. It was very gritty. And, man, it's surprising. This had a $9 million budget. Yeah. that's yeah. Not that that's a high budget, but for a movie with uh, not too much going on and a simple setup, I thought that was a little high. Right, right. Well, it sounds like that's, like, build this whole house. They did build the right? whole house, yeah. Interior, yeah. at least, yeah. Right, right. But yeah, it's not like there are crazy effects going on here or anything, or too, too many special effects or anything, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, Return of the Living Dead was four, but in 1985, four million went much farther. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah well, cool. Uh, any, any other uh, thoughts on it? No, man, I don't have too much else to say on it. I, I think it was well-crafted. The, the screenplay uh, kind of hit a point where it was you done everything you could with it, and I think a, a change would have spiced things up. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I've, I've got mixed feelings. I'm, I'm not sure if, like, that would have made it, like, more on the cinematic territory and, like, uh, unrealistic and, like, more kind of, like, Hollywood versus, like, what they did, which may be more factual, but also kind of, yeah, drags a bit. Yeah, yeah, there's like, still an audience. All right, well, how many uh, shotgun shots, uh, shotgun shots to your best friend's face would you give this one? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I give this four shotgun blasts to my best friend's face. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope that's not me, man. You know, you just, you're the person I talk to the most these days. So uh, <laughs> shit, there. <laughs> you want to wear some sort of elaborate helmet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time, I'll just wear like a face mask or something. Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I had this same exact one. Four, four uh, shotgun shots uh, to my best friend's face. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I think the same, like, I, I think I, I might've liked this one a lot more 10 years ago. And, uh, the, the only downside I'll give it is like, your know, plot could have evolved, uh, a little bit more on, on the second half, but, uh, it's, it stayed kind of static. Yeah. It's still super effective for what it is. I still consider right. it one of the scarier movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and still watching it now, you still feel like this is like one of the scariest movies. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel that way because okay. it, it's not that it gets like less scary it's just that the scares become monotonous sure yeah yeah. and i think if i watched it again i would still feel that not in my stomach for the first half hour of the movie yeah okay that makes sense 
Um, oh, well, you know, uh, t- talking about like devices or like, or like interesting setups, like you have the car scene where like they, they got trapped. You have the initial scenes of somebody knocking at the door, or the scene where he's like uh, standing in the darkness while, while she's looking the other way. Uh, but then I, I feel like you're missing a lot of those in the second half. You don't have like a lot of iconic like setups or anything, do you? That's true. It's really more of a cat and mouse, but it's it's not a very dynamic cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, that that, that becomes kind of tough. But I hear you. Yeah, it's still a scary concept. And I feel like as we get older, older, and like yeah, you, you own a home and stuff, like uh, it just becomes like pretty. It's it's just like real territory, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is very very real. Yeah, the likelihood yeah, exactly. of something like that happening may be slim, but it, it feels real. It feels very real. Yeah. Exactly. All right, cool. Well, uh, anything else? That's all I got. Cool. That is going to be it for our discussion on The Strangers. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, so you can join us and other horror fans uh, to talk about all things horror and a bunch of other stuff. We also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on etsy.com. You can also find some great merchandise for our show. And until next time... If someone comes knocking on your door in the middle of the night looking for Tamara, maybe tell them that she's in the bathroom and that she'll be right down in like five minutes just to stall them or something. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what would you do in that case? Yeah, lactose intolerant, eat some vanilla <laughs> ice cream. Enter at your own risk. <laughs> she's having an episode right now. <laughs>